Bet Live. On Today FM. Kia ora Aotearoa. How are we today? Rebecca Hollis here. Welcome to Rebecca Live, episode 325. Oh, jingle bells. The numbers get up there. What is this show about? Super simple team. We talk commerce, we talk community, and we talk culture. Why? Because those are the three things that I kind of generally care about with an overarching goal of, it's a simple thing, I believe, which is New Zealand wins when New Zealanders win. I'm currently here in San Francisco, Silicon Valley, show the world for 20 years, and I love seeing New Zealanders win, doing big things, thinking bigger, going bigger, and, and doing awesome stuff on the world map. Awesome show coming up today for you. Just a moment, Bodo Lang from the Auckland University School of Business on how passionate Kiwis are about brands, uh, following the backlash from some people about Whitaker's use of Te Reo Māori on one of its chocolate blocks. Oh, I can't wait to get into that one. Uh, after one o'clock, Tupperware announced this week it was pulling out of New Zealand. Oh no, the Tupperware parties. Hearn Bay is going to be gutted. Hearn Bay is going to be gutted. The Tupperware parties are over. Uh, a decision that may have caught some fans by surprise, but was the writing on the wall? Well, the answer is probably yes. Uh, we'll find out. Uh, I chat with Chris Wilkinson, the managing director of First Retail Group, about the challenges of the direct sales concept as online showing shopping continues to grow. It's a definitely big topic if you look through COVID, especially when it comes to all of the different things that have happened with supply chain and stuff too. Direct to consumer, more margin, that definitely seems to happen. And a new study from the University of Auckland has found influencers, oh, influencers team, influencers with fewer than 100,000 followers are having more influence on people than those with millions. Who would have thought we're going to be talking about, we'll be talking influencers and a bunch more with the CEO of Socialites, Mel Spencer. She's a great human before two o'clock as well. And don't forget if you are tuning in right now and listening anywhere in Aotearoa at 1.30 today, the first person to call up on 0800 Today FM gets a one-minute pitch. What is a one-minute pitch? Well, basically, the first person to call through, you get through the, the jaws of death that is the executive producer, Bryn Rudkin. You get to come on the show and you get one minute to pitch your product, your service, your business, and basically free promo and plugs to the entire country absolutely for free. We've got today our time, Young Bucks, and a whole bunch more. Uh, don't forget, you can text me through on 3920, and the number to call is 0800 Today FM. Uh, question for today. Uh, to text through as I was actually uh, put one online about podcasts but I'm going to add books today what is the single best book you have ever read and then we're going to start naming them out and giving some props to everyone else to sh- share it as well so 3920 what is the best book you have read and why be specific and why don't just say from good to great Jim Collins or you know whatever like get specific give us some context team we need some popping context alright alright let's get into the show team 5 minutes past 12 giddy up his goal to destroy the tall poppy syndrome. His platform, Today FM. This is Rebet Live. Call 0800 Today FM. All right, as we kick off into hour number one, Whitakers has received some backlash from people about the use of Te Reo Māori on its creamy milk chocolate blocks to support Te Wiki or, or Te Reo Māori or Māori Language Week. It's one of the country's two official languages, and despite some people choosing to boycott the brand out of frustration, <laughs> boycott the brand, piss off. Fans of Whitakers have pledged to buy more blocks of chocolate in support of the company. There you go. Uh, Bodo Lang, the head of marketing at the University of Auckland Business School, joins me now. Kia ora, Bodo. How are you? Kia ora, Robert. I'm very well, and you? I am cruising. How is your Saturday going? Where are you, and what are you doing? 
Well, it's very exciting. I'm actually uh, at the University of Auckland Open Day, and I've just spoken about the 12 majors you can choose from in the BCom at the University of Auckland. So that's what I'm doing. <laughs> could, could you could you rattle off the 12 the 12 options in 12 seconds? Okay, go. Oh, I think there's going to be too much accounting, finance, information systems, <laughs> business analytics, marketing, management, international business, uh, commercial law, taxation. Uh, I'm bound to miss something. Oh, it's, I think that's 12 hey. seconds, isn't it? Great, great start. 12 seconds is all I need. Don't worry about that. All right, so we'll get into this. Um, will this in- actually increase sales for Whitakers? And if so, do you think it will be sustained? Let's start there. There's people, a bit of a boycott. People are backing it. At a macro, what's your vibe? What are you thinking? I think it's a really good question, Robert. And I think uh, I, I don't think there will be a sustained increase of sales because I think the people that buy Whitakers already, and I'm one of them, they're not going to buy a, a whole heap more because um, you know because of the the inclusion of Tere Omari um, on the packaging. But I think some people would have dropped off. So I think if anything, there might be a, a small excited spike in sales, you know, because there's novelty and it's exciting and it's an inclusive move, which I think is great. Um, but I think there's also the naysayers and the conservatives and the traditionalists that say either they have an issue with, you know, Tereo Maori um, being on the packaging or they just don't like their brand to be messed with, basically. So I think in the longer term, I can't say that there will be a massive uptake, uh, up, uh, uptake in sales. So uh, one of the, the reason why I asked that, I was intrigued with um, in the States here in America when the whole uh, taking the knee NFL Colin Kaepernick thing, which which was happening around uh, press brutality and stuff, um, Nike did this huge ad campaign with Colin Kaepernick at the front of it, basically talking about standing for what you believe in, blah, blah, blah. And there was this massive uproar of people going, I can't believe brands are taking a um, you know a cultural stand and blah, blah, blah. And then ironically enough, shares go up 10%. They make, it, they make billions of dollars off the back of it, and then everyone's been inclusive to it. And it, it's a, intriguing when they have these chats because you think you know that there are these conversations going on at the C-suite saying, hey, if we go down this route around, around culture – this this may give some backlash and then someone's going to say hey this is you know any publicity is good publicity when you when you look at obviously you understand marketing it, this whole world when you looked at the play from a i guess a strategic standpoint what was your what was your thought is it like opening the floodgates a little bit is it a bit of bravery to go first is it like you know what what was your take at a macro I think I think the Whitaker's move I think was really good because you know they I think it, it is being inclusive and you know it is one of the two official languages we have so I think it's a good move to do I think the the slight downside is of this in particularly in comparison with Nike and Colin Kaepernick and I'm glad you brought it up is that Nike has a bit of a track record you know supporting athletes and causes that are um, maybe not mainstream you know they're not they're not wide middle-aged males you know like I am and. And, you know, there's, you know, a trans skateboarder that they've supported in their campaigns, big billboard campaign in uh, New York and also online. He's had his own shoes and things. And so I think it's, to me, it's all about brand fit. So the the broader issue is brand activism. And so, you know, can brands are starting to act out now for, you know, social or political or environmental causes. And so they're acting like people. And they obviously have a lot of marketing heft behind them. So... I think that's a really good move because, you know, research has shown that there's less trust in governments after the lockdown, believe it or not, um, and more trust in business. And so brands standing up to play their role in modern society, I think, is a really good move. I think that coming back to New Zealand and Whitakers and Tereo Māori on, uh, on the packaging, 
I think it's a really interesting move. The Brantford is is a little bit more difficult there just because, you know, we think Whitakers. I mean, the name itself sounds very old-fashioned English, you know, and, and so there's the brand doesn't have yet that sort of inclusive value, but maybe that's what they're trying to build up on. So if that's where they want to be, then that's great, and this is a great first step to, to signal that to the audience. So, Bodo, when you think about the intersection between culture and commerce it's something that i'm obviously pretty passionate about and and i'm always really intrigued in how do you think does this start to become a bit of a gray area or a bit of danger when there's kind of i guess you know these direct cultural campaigns directly tied to to commerce do you feel that this is the start of many brands doing more of these type of things like lower collabs and really integrating culture in or do you do you, do you think it's going to start to become of a a, a bit of a like issues for more if there was a bigger backlash with this than, than other brands may need not think to do it? Mm, that's a great great question, Robert. I think culture is always part of marketing and particularly advertising because if your advertising doesn't resonate with the, with the predominant culture at the time or, or any culture for that matter, then it's going to fall pretty much flat. I think what is new is this, this issue of brand activism where brands are very outspoken and we take a very clear position on controversial issues. It might be abortion, it might be gun rights. Um, there are definitely examples of brands that have tried this and have failed absolutely miserably. There's an example of Gillette, for example, doing this a couple of years ago, I think 2018. Um, and yeah. they used to have very sort of <laughs> cheesy advertising in the 80s, you know, the best the man can be. And they had a diff- very different campaign that basically asked my males to be more, not to be softer and kinder and, and call things out when things are amiss. But the campaign just fell completely flat because it just it just didn't, didn't resonate. Um, uh, Pepsi did something similar, I think, with uh, Eva Langoria, um, and it was uh, again uh, K- on online Gina. video. With the riots. Yeah, yes, exactly. That, that's yeah. exactly right. Thank you. That's exactly right. And it just completely fell flat. So I think to me the, the key there is we will definitely see more of this. It will take brave brands to do this. And I think um, if if they are if if the um, if the advertising and the communication is followed up by action, so if you see internal changes, for example, of I don't know disabled athletes getting a bigger chance, you know, Mari people, you know, having a having a separate pipeline for the coming parts of that company, you know, all these sorts of issues. Um, if so, if the practice matches the the communication, then I think it's really useful, and it and it has to match um, obviously the brand values as well. So I think we will see more of it but it's always going to be a pretty contested space so i've got a little bit of a slippery slope question to ask but i'm just genuinely intrigued so one of the things which has happened through an advertising landscape is uh you know big cultural campaigns that have been done by by bigger agencies and then a question gets asked hypothetically would it be morally and ethically right if New Zealand taxpayer funds go to some type of overseas agency that is leveraging culture for, I guess, commerce, but all of that, that commerce and the um, and the revenue actually goes overseas. Do you think Kiwis will have different views on this if the brands that are trying to get active and get becoming, you know, like cultural activists are actually owned by overseas? So they're making cultural plays in a region that they're not from, but then using that for commercial gain, which they will take outside of the country? Do you have uh, any thoughts on sorry. that? I certainly do. And I think um, it's another great question. And I definitely think that is a real minefield. I think you've got to be seen to be part of the community, part of the culture. 
you know, um, to, in order to credibly and authentically address an issue and bring it up and say, look, we have an issue with, I don't know, family violence in New Zealand or whatever it might be. And I think for that, for an overseas brand to do that credibly is relatively tricky unless they're they're known to be almost like a New Zealand brand. And one brand I can think of, for example, is Toyota. Toyota. You know, uh, Toyota. I, was, I knew you were going to say it. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, they've marketed themselves for many decades as quite a New Zealand brand, and they're clearly Japanese. And if you think about, you know, what happened after we're in the Second World War, you know, so there's potential for, for real cultural disasters here. But they've been very good in their marketing and been very close to New Zealand. And so... It, I think the most authentic representation and, and influence you can exert when you're actually part of the community, part of New Zealand, part of, you know, parts of Aotearoa that that um, that have these issues. I think that's where the authenticity really comes in, the credibility. I think for overseas brands to do that is a lot more risky and could, could potentially result in a massive backlash. And you know, with social media, we know that it doesn't take many consumers to be dissatisfied and disagree with a brand to really, you know, um, kick loose a, a, an avalanche of of disagreement with the brand. So I think, I think if you if you're part of the problem as a brand in the country, then I think you've got the best base to address the issue. Mm. Great, great answers. I'm, I'm just always intrigued with uh, situations like this because it, it, it's such a little ballerina dance right on the knife edge of trying to empower. It's this knife edge of empowerment versus possible exploitation. And the question I always ask in situations is what is the intent, right? What is the mm. intent of, of, of the brand or whatever? So in, in your view, fast forward three, five, ten years, do you feel more or less brands in Aotearoa are going to be more... I guess activist brands towards specific causes or things in culture and community. I think we will see a few more, but I think there will also be a saturation where where consumers will just get sort of sick and tired of being told what to do. And this ties back to a completely different issue, which is called consumers' reactance to their freedoms being curtailed. And so, you know, when people feel um, you know in lockdown, some people felt you know grossly. Um, cut short in terms of their um, their choices and recreation and who they could associate with. And so then people react very negatively towards the organization that has cut uh, short their freedom. Um, and they also dislike the options that are being offered. And brands are very mindful of this. So, mm-hmm. so there's only so much interference that brands can do before the appetite of, the, of consumers is set, saturated for that type of engagement. And I also think there's only so many brands that can actually do this wholeheartedly with their hand on their heart and say, well, actually, this is something that we really believe in. Yes, we're here yeah. to make money. Yes, we're here to sell good product and all this, but we're also part of, you know, New Zealand Aotearoa. And I think there's not many companies that can pull it off really credibly. Well, maybe one now that can double down would be Kiwi Bank if it's 100% Kiwi owned. Um, but I really appreciate your time. You're, you're obviously a very smart, smart man. I appreciate um, you spending a little bit of Saturday with us. Best of luck for the rest of the open day. And um, we'll be um, no doubt chatting in the future. Appreciate your time, buddy. Sounds fantastic. Thanks so much, Robert. Really enjoy your show. My man. Oh, there you go. Getting, getting props already. Oh, we'll invite him back on anytime if he's going to say the show. It's great. Yeah, Bodo, well, come on back. Um, I've got one little bit that I'd like to, mini bit I'd like to add to this is... For those Kiwis, I'm just thinking about this. If those Kiwis take an offence with a brand using culture at the at the front of it, the next time you guys watch an All Blacks game, but you feel pride when we lead with the hucker at the start of it to as a unity of purpose for an entire nation, 
you're actually a hypocrite. <laughs> because if you're proud of us as a culture and a nation at one point at the tip of the spear when we play the All Black, we, we play um, the Wallabies and the Bledisloe, but then you don't like the name of that same culture being used elsewhere, that's hypocritical. So stuff you guys. All right, anyway. Many bit done. All right, uh, don't forget you can text me through on 3920. Question of the day uh, for today is, what is the best book you have ever read? Text it through now to 3920, and we're going to, um, we'll read out a couple of them to give you, you can say your name, where you're from, and what you like about the book, and share it on with others. Uh, and the number to call as well, if you want, is 0800 Today FM. After the break, we're catching up with this week's Young Bucks, Gabby and Kura on Today FM. Time now is 19 minutes past 12. His goal. To destroy the tall poppy syndrome. His platform, Today FM. This is Rebet Live. Call 0800 Today FM. Welcome back to Rebet Live, episode 325 on Today FM. Live from San Francisco, Silicon Valley. My name is Rebet Hollis. You can find your local frequency at todayfm.co.nz or take us with you on the go. You got the smartphone, you put it in your pocket. It's got the free Rover app. You can get that. Text me through 3920. Question today is, what's the best book you've ever read and why? We're going to be uh, letting everyone else know what those recommendations are. Right now, it's time for our weekly Young Bucks segment. And this week, I am speaking with Gabby Wood and Kura Cassidy from around the world. And they are current YES students. Kia ora, Gabby and Kura. How are you? Hi. We are good. How are you? Oh, well, I'll be, I'll be honest, team. I've been. Um, I went out golfing today. I I, did, I played great. I only, I only lost seven balls, so that's better than usual. So I'm happy with that. <laughs> oh yeah, pretty and, good. And, and now I'm getting to um to to do the show and, and chat with you all before I start to prepare even more for Burning Man, which starts next week. And I'm am excited. How is your Saturday going? Where are you? And what's bubbling? Oh, we're pretty good. I've been working. Got to go back to work after this. <laughs> yeah. And. Gabby is just having a nice chill day. It's all sunny here in Christchurch. Yeah, it there sure is. The, the DDO3, I, I, I know it very well. I grew up in Aranui. So uh, what high school do you guys go to? Or what's the what's the go? Where did this idea come from? How old are you? What are you doing? And tell me about around the world. Go for it. Um, we're from Cashmere High School. We're year 13 students and we're doing Young Enterprise. We are doing Around the World this year, which is a questionnaire card game that is teaching kids about different countries around the world. So, yeah. That's a very good... Now, is, was this, um, Gabby and Kuri, is this your first ever, I guess, business venture you've started? Is this the first time you've given it a crack? Um, this is our second time. We also did Young Enterprise last year. Nice, yes, there you go. Okay. Students. Cool. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about this. Uh, where did the genesis for the idea come from and how have you worked out manufacturing, design, how are you currently selling? Talk me through some of the mechanics of around the world, uh, this educational game that you've you've got, got, got rolling. Yeah, absolutely. So me, so we've got a third member in our group called Solitaire and a few months ago now we were all doing some online quizzes together and lo and behold, a geography one came up and we all found out Solitaire is not the cleverest cookie to do with geography. We found out that she thought Vietnam was in South America. And we Classic. all know, wow, yeah, yeah, that's not quite right. No. So we chose to focus our um, product this year on helping students, especially younger ones, like primary school aged kids, learn more about the world basically in different countries so we came up our business teacher was really helpful and he came we came up together 
with a 20-question idea for the game. So for our game, we have split it up into four categories. And so we have, we start at number one and go to four. So you get points for the difficulty of each card. And so the person that wins is the person with the most points. And to do that, we teamed up with Branders, which is an awesome company. They were really, really helpful and helped us design our packaging and our cards. And they did it all for us, trying and we with no plastic waste, which was really good. And they sent it to us so we could start selling. Yeah. Cool. I, I, I see the genesis and I can, you've got the design, you've got the brand. Okay, now you've got the product. So talk me through, you know, you're year 13 students in Kashmir uh, and, and Christchurch. You're looking to sell this out to the world. What is your current marketing and sales strategy to try and get these out the door and get some moolah in your pockets? <laughs> yes, of course. Um, so basically we're starting to sell on social media as our main selling platform, just because that one's the easiest for us. We were we are selling on Instagram and Facebook around the world NZ as a little plug for us. And we are also looking at creating a website which will link in our Instagram and Facebook bios and hopefully we will gain lots of sales from those. There you and go. And in you're going the future, so, so, Yep, go for it. Sorry. In the future we're looking at selling at places like the tannery and the BNZ Centre in town, and maybe the Colombo as well, just getting out into some of the smaller boutique sort of stores, selling them there. Yeah. Good on you. That's awesome. I know a bunch of the crew at the BNZ, they're, they're awesome, so I'm more than happy to make an introduction if you need with the Community 101 crew down there. Um, so, okay, oh, so yeah. uh, let's let's jump into this for a second. You, you decided you, you, you're going to sell these products digitally on social media first before the website. When it comes to, I guess, digital marketing, I'm imagining, you know, you don't probably don't have, you know, $100,000 to go and spend on digital marketing campaigns <laughs> and you're doing it all through, all through social media. If someone's listening to yeah. this now that doesn't understand social media or digital marketing that, as much, how would you give them the quick 101 of, you know, why you chose, I guess, social and, and I guess the, the marketing play with how you advertise using social media for free? Yeah, so basically our target market is mums pretty much and parents with younger children and we know that a lot of, well our mums use Facebook and we know that a lot of mums do use Facebook and it's the easiest way that they can click on just a link and just order something, super simple, super easy and it's the easiest way to get to this target market. Whereas we know the older generation are less inclined to use social media and that type of stuff, which is all good with us because our target market is basically parents. We're looking for a fun educational game for their children. There you go. And I think the, the one to get in there, if you look at the engagement, is Facebook groups because all these these mums that are at home, they're all in, in the groups. So let's talk dollars for a second. How much do they cost to make and how much do you sell them for? So they cost... Five, uh, $6.50 to make, and we are selling them for $24.99. Woo, margins, jingle, bells. <laughs> oh, man, I, I love it. And is that with free shipping, or do you charge that on top and then make margin on that too? Uh, 
You would. Hey, I absolutely love it. That's <laughs> that's great. So you've got a six dollar product which you've come up with. You've you sell it around the world NZ on Instagram and stuff. You're in the Facebook groups. You got great margins in there, in there now. So if you um well listen, if you're a Kiwi that doesn't know too many of the you know, the logistical locations of all these other different countries. Uh, where can they go to? What can they do? Feel free to give yourself a little plug. Once again, right about now. Go for it. Um, so, yes, Around the World NZ on Instagram and Facebook. Just give us a quick follow. And if you'd like to directly message us, go for it. We'll reply as soon as we can. And we will also get a link for our website into our bios in the next couple of weeks. I love it. And the next play you need to do is you need to go onto LinkedIn, find out who the procurement manager or the head of purchasing at Whitcurls is, and then you ring them up and you play the innocent card that you just, these, you know, little naive students from, from Christchurch doing this cool thing, but you've got a product which they could, they could get great margin on and they should definitely have a, have a, have a meeting. At, and then you roll up in your school uniforms, you sit down, get in front of them, and you just go super aggressive that they're so impressed that they, they trial you out at about 10, 12 different stores. And then you're off to the races. So best of luck for the future, Gabby, exactly. and could I, uh, enjoy the rest of the weekend, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. Have a good Rock, weekend. Rock Thank and you. roll. Love your work. How cool is that, team? How cool is that? $6 product, $24 retail. <laughs> How good's the margins? Oh, I love it. It's so good. But yeah, 100% there. If you're a retailer right now that wants to go check him out. It's always cool um, seeing the energy of, of Young Bucks, these future business weapons, getting out there and they're creating businesses and they're doing it. I, I, it gets me, um, it brings me joy. It gives me energy and it makes me a whole lot more hopeful, um, a lot more hope for the future of Aotearoa New Zealand, which is super cool. Uh, don't forget, text me through on 3920. The question of the day is, what is the best book you have ever read and why? We've got one come through from Wayne Butson. Wayne Butson, props to you, mate. As the Crow Flies is the name of the book, which he says um, by Jeffrey Archer. Wayne Butson, uh, that's your name there, a great story of triumphing over adversity from working class background. Oh, I like it. There you go. Uh, thanks, Wayne, for your text in. 3920, what is the best book you've read and why? As the Crow Flies by Jeffrey Archer was his. Sounds like a good one. All right, team, time now is 29 minutes to one. Mentor, Sherpa. Counselor. Nah, just a clever guy doing cool shit. It's Rebet Live. On Today FM. The time now is 12.34. 24 minutes or 26 minutes to one. You change into Rebet Live, episode 325 on Today FM. Thanks for joining me this afternoon. I hope your Saturday is going well. Time now for business in a minute. Let's get your business better in one minute. Okay. <clears throat> My number one ultimate tip if you're a startup or small business and it's just yourself. It's very easy when you become the radical optimist for opportunity thinking everything is awesome and everything is okay and no one's actually the, the bad cop on the other side. So my number one tip if you're a startup by yourself is you need to be your own Jekyll and Hyde. You need to be your own good cop and bad cop. So many times business owners, if they're just an individual, will just keep going down a rabbit hole by themselves totally oblivious to everything else as well and it leads to some pretty bad things because you need to be able to balance off you know, radical optimism for opportunity alongside commercial sensibility around how things actually operate, which is why you try to partner with others if you need. So the, my math, I failed math, but my math goes like this. One plus one equals three. Who can you partner with that's good at the stuff that you suck at? Because it's very easy to, you know, 
focus on what you're good at instead of trying to do everything yourself. So, number one thing, if you're by yourself, is you need to be your own Jekyll and Hyde. You need to be a good cop and bad cop because when you just become insanely focused on one thing and you're not listening to anything else on the other side, it can lead you down some dangerous paths. And that's how you get more out of your business in one minute. Bet Live. On Today FM. I'll enjoy having my own show where I can just put on tracks whatever I want. That's a track there. It's called Dreaming by Scribe. It's the instrumental. Um, usually people have two cents about things. I have three cents. I have three cents. It's like, I don't, I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but it's just how I feel about certain things. So, my three cents for this week is around the Finnish Prime Minister, Sana Marin, and leadership in this big hashtag, Solidarity with Sana. If you're not aware, she basically got on the piss with some mates and did some boogies. And all of a sudden, the world blows up like it's World War Three. It's like Jinko Bell's team. For starters, she became a prime minister at 34. If you have one bad day, you already want to sit down on the couch and kick your feet up. If you have one massive week, you want to go out with some friends and let some steam off. If you run a country under 40, the stress that you must feel is out of control. And the thing that I kind of feel a bit pissed off about this is how the straight double standards of... Dudes can go out there and sink piss with the boys, and it's cool because it's with the boys. She goes out, you know, smashes a few mimosas or whatever, and all of a sudden we're acting like, it's like, we're a human. When do we realise that, <laughs> well, when are we realising that we're all human? We all have our things for escapism. We all aren't just going to be there in a flipping three-piece suit 100 hours a week. Where do people unleash and go? What do they do? You know, people meditate, people do this. Who cares if she wants to dance? Go hard. I saw um, Vanessa Sorensen from Microsoft. She's a friend. She's an absolute champ as well. She uh, went and posted a photo up for her, her dancing and, and sent it on the D floor. Good. Have fun. Enjoy it. And she's backing it up as well. Hell yeah. And for any other, you know, someone, I saw this quote, <laughs> someone put on LinkedIn. It was like, we have a climate crisis, a COVID crisis, a security crisis, and we're focusing on the way someone, a prime minister, but a real person behaves in her own private time because she's a younger woman. Then I think we've lost the plot. Hey, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'll, mate, I'll go on a golf trip with the boys and send it. No one expects anything different. If I was the Prime Minister, I'd invite everyone to a party. I'd invite him to come. I'd hit the D floor with my three-piece suit. I would, hey, we just, like, let's just calm the phone. We've got so much bigger stuff happening in the world than stressing about some flipping TikToks with her getting low. <laughs> Dancing and booging. Like, seriously. It's, it frustrates the hell out of me when we have these just epic double standards from men to women. Let the girl live. She just listened to a Beyonce album. She smashed a few mimosas. Let her get real with their friends, man. Just back up. I got your back, girl. You do you. I think, to be fair, most people are just, you know, probably a bit pissed that they can't dance as good as her or run in a country. They, they might just have a little, little peanut butter jelly sandwiches over there. So anyway, that was my thing for this week was it's too often so much of the masses become real hypocritical wear or quick with these double standards of what guys and girls are expected to do and I think it's whack shit's stupid stuff that you do you girl dance away listen to Beyonce she got a new album out you should check that out it's a, it's a bit of a banger I've heard it better but it's fine anyway any feedback we'd love to hear from you text me through on 3920 and the number to call is 0800 today FM uh, the text the question for today is what is the best book you have ever read and why 
had some come through so far and we'll keep um, shouting them out here and don't forget also if you're listening along wherever you are in Aotearoa at 1.30 today you can ring through for our one minute pitch what is a one minute pitch basically the first person to call 0800 today FM at 1.30 will get on air with me I'll say what's up and you get 60 seconds for you to be able to pitch your product your service your business so if you've got a landscaping company a digital marketing agency you do video production you're a lawyer you're an accountant whatever it is that I don't care you will get one minute all for you to just hype up your business to try and get dollars in the door so you can get paid and then go buy your partner some nice a little some a little Louis Vuitton bag or you know maybe a little look at roller or you know maybe you'll go and buy some beers for the Prime Minister of, of Finland you know whatever you want to do anyway all right team uh, 20 minutes to one giddy up Rebet Live. Live from Silicon Valley. The hub of the tech universe. With tips on unleashing your entrepreneurial potential. On Today FM. Kia ora everybody and welcome back to Rebet Live episode 325 on Today FM. You can find out more about us on online. Oh, sorry, online, todayfm.co.nz, or follow us on our social media channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the TikToks. Oh, the TikToks. Uh, just search for Today FM New Zealand. If you want to get in touch, the question for the day is, what is the best book you've ever read and why? Text it through to 3920. But right now, it's time for Learn, Share, Repeat. What is that about? Well, we talk to someone very smart and we try and figure out what are they reading right now that's making them smarter, what are they listening to, and we're very fortunate enough to have the guest on the show who's the bro, Ian Musson, who is the head of uh, Yes at Young Enterprise Scheme. Kia ora, Ian, how are you? Mate, you sound like you're a robot stuck in a washing machine with a dial-up internet of 28.8 kilobytes. Are you are you underground or, like, building bunkers? What are you doing? <laughs> One moment, caller. Okay. Ian, oh, I don't know what's happened. I'm going to actually, I'll, I'll give a story about Ian. So, Ian is a absolute weapon. He last week was an absolute lifesaver for us, and he was the co- he was the co-host on the show with with Bryn, and that filled in well. I was I was out of action in a way. He uh, runs Young Enterprise Skin, and if you're aware of what happens, or each week we get uh, some young bucks on the show. Now these young bucks are part of the Young Enterprise Scheme. So they basically upskill and educate and help, help a whole bunch of high school students from all around Aotearoa become better. And they start, actually, they, they get them started into business. They get them started in business. They uh, educate them. They get them out and about. And they all start these companies. And, they, and so each week, that's how we've actually um, got the, the, the hookup through for the bro Ian to be able to profile and promo as many different uh, young Kiwis as possible. It's something that when I think about the... Uh, so Bryn's going to try and get him back on when he's not on 2G. Maybe that's the problem. Ian's on, like... Maybe he's in, like, Ruratoria and he's stuck on, like, 2G on, on, on a dial-up. Or if we had a telco partner on the, on the, the thing, let's say... Because I'm friends with both of them, but let's just say all, all, all three. But, but let's say they were on Vodafone and it wasn't too good. Oh, we could be, like, give, give Jason some shit and be like, hey, Jace. Vodafone's sucking, mate. Or if it's on Jolly, be like, hey, Jolly, come on, sort it out. Um, so he's going to try and get back there. But why that was important, so when we talk about uh, these these young bucks, it's very important for me, and I, I just feel pretty strongly about it, that the, anyone that's listening to this now is obviously a lot older than 30 and definitely finished high school a long, long time ago. So from my side, when I think, when I think about it, I think it's super important that we give the, the space to actually learn a lot more because each week we are actually finding out more and more from people that are, 
you know, creating these these businesses. You know, a lot of tips. So you can always learn from people younger than yourselves. So the magic of the interwebs, we've got the telcos back, and I think we've got Ian back online, and he's, he's joining us again. Kia ora, Ian. How are you, bro? I'm good, bro. How are you, man? I'm not going to ask what telco provider you were on because <laughs> I'm friends with both both CEOs and I don't want any of them to feel bad, but I'm glad you're here and I'm, I'm stoked you're in the mix. And I was just saying before before um, you, you were digging tunnels with Elon doing the boring company was um, I needed to give you props and thanks because you saved the day last week when you and Bryn took over and the show was awesome. So big ups on on the effort last week for smashing it with the with show. It was super cool. And so I'm, I'm glad you, you enjoyed the radio time because you sounded awesome, my friend. You've got you, you've definitely got the face for it, that's for sure. Oh, the harshness. <laughs> Bro, I just thought it would be great to, like, you know, with the whole telco thing, just, you know, give you the chance to ad-lib and see actually how sharp you are, man. But I'm, I'm sure you've done really well. Uh, it's, 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 it's okay. Hey, but you're the head of Young... I was actually giving everyone context around the Young Enterprise Scheme. So um, for since we started the show, we've been, you know, six months of show or whatever with Today FM, we've been profiling these, these um, you know, Young Q businesses. So for those that aren't aware, they always again give props to Young Enterprise Scheme. Give maybe a quick little mini pitch and a quick 101 around what Young Enterprise Scheme is and what it does and how it helps uh, Young Qs in Aotearoa. Cool, man. Um, the simplest way I can look at it is, yes, I guess the program is designed to support young people set up a business across a year, but the way I look at it is that Young Enterprise uses entrepreneurship as a vessel to help young people kind of unleash something within themselves. Um, and I think we see that with all the young bucks we have. We've got a bunch of super cool students who are just doing some incredible things. And, that, and I, I'm glad that we have like a little part to play in it but I think it's really just supporting them to unleash some of those kind of innate hidden abilities and there's some super cool young folk man and I often think like every time I speak with one of them and kind of kick it with one of them is reflecting back on what I was doing as a 16 and 17 year old and it wasn't that at all like by any I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ask what you're doing Ian I know I know what you do but I'm not gonna <laughs> ask let's let, let's keep it off to keep that off here keep that for the DMs but anyway continue <laughs> yeah man but like I, I often talk to them as like you know like my priorities were quite different and like hearing them and seeing the cool stuff that they're not just talking about but they're actually doing and the reason they're doing a bunch of stuff as well which is really cool to see like i done young enterprise when i was at hamilton boys high school like back in 2004 and we done it kind of for the sake of doing it it was just something fun to do whereas you got a lot of students now who they really want to make an impact within their community or they want to figure out that there's a challenge that they're facing or their peers are facing or they've seen and they've got something to offer to it and i think what's really cool about our young folk is we often remind them that if they're good enough they're old enough because you know, oftentimes they get kind of shunned a little bit because they're 16, yeah. 17. It was like, bro, I don't care about your age. Like, you're doing some really cool stuff. Um, how about let's get around them and support them and help them to grow? Yeah, I 100% agree. So it's been really cool that we've obviously had the partnership and the friendship for you to be able to get a whole bunch of, you know, pro fund for a lot of them as well. I'm guessing a lot of these interviews have been probably their first media interviews that they've ever done, being, you know, 15, 16, 17 years old at high school doing stuff. So um, props to you at, at Young Enterprise and everything you're doing. And Terry's an absolute weapon as well. So it's cool to be able to, um, to profile them now. So with Learn, Share, Repeat, we talk about, you know, what are the best books you're reading or the best podcasts. So we'll start off with this. Are you more... Are you more into books to learn or podcasts to learn or how do you how do you currently learn the best? What's your best format for you? Oh dude, I I'm not a big reader, like traditional reader, if that makes sense. Um so I listen to a bunch of audio books and it makes me feel good so I get them through them faster. But 
it's also a really cool way to just to kind of pick and choose the things I want to listen to, go back, the whole learn, repeat, you know. Um, yep. And for me, it's a lot of biographies and finding people that whose lives I'm just interested in and kind of getting to know them a little bit better or the stuff that makes them tick, if that makes sense. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, I, I totally know what you mean. Okay, so let's go down biographies for a sec, for for a little bit. What have been some of the best ones you've listened to or and learned from, and what specific what specific insight did you learn in those things which you wouldn't have thought before? Cool, man. Yeah, definitely. So they're probably kind of not they're not unconventional, but they're probably not traditional from a business sense. So I tend to listen to like athletes that I like. Um, and, you know, they're, they're well-known athletes, but someone like Mark Hunt, um, for example, and just kind of getting a better insight of his story, the the kind of ups, the lows, and all that stuff as well. And, and, you know, for someone like him sharing in his book that you get to a point where you're hitting some pretty sweet highs and you're finding yourself in some pretty stink places, but knowing actually I've been here before and there's probably no further back I can go that I haven't been before. And it's for me, it just provides some context that, you know, we had some really cool days. We had some pretty average days. But on par, I'm pretty blessed. I'm pretty looked after and I'm pretty, and I've really got no excuse if that makes sense. And we often share that with our, our young folk as well, is that, you know, we're in a pretty privileged space. There's a whole bunch of stuff that does go on and we know that life isn't perfect. But on balance and on par, like, we're in a pretty pretty sweet spot to kind of kick things from like so mark hunt tyson fury i love tyson fury in terms of just um so clearly i like fighters in some <laughs> regard i have dabbled myself but i'm not very good have a losing record but you know it was fun to get in there well, and, so you had four, four beers and you got kicked country. out of sales sales street that's why you got four <laughs> beers out of sales street had that jaeger bomb you're asking you're trying to get on the microphone the, the, the bouncer said no and next thing you know nick minute you're on the ground with you, you know, with your little roll-ups you know like these things happen it's fun Oh, yeah, you know, it's sort of right. And you, you think, like, you know, like, oh, give it a nudge, you know, back to myself. Hey, you know, it doesn't always come up. But I think, there's, there's, and it's funny because I'm one of those folk who, as stupid as it might sound, you try and find a lesson in everything. And you're like, you know, you can find yourself kind of knocked down on your backside, whatever it could be. You're like, cool. But I gave it a nudge. And now I know either strengths, weaknesses, or where I can improve or what I can learn from, or perhaps, you know, buttons I shouldn't push. And you kind of grow from it. And I think, I know it's, it's kind of a retold story time and time again, but taking the opportunity to learn from kind of any opportunity. Um, I think something that would come, come to mind too, again, super random and away from the books and the podcast and all that stuff is week, was it last week, they had the Business Hall of Fame. And so Young Enterprise is a big part of that in terms that we have Young Enterprise students introduce the new laureates. Um, so it's kind of that passing of the baton, you might say. And really cool speakers last week, one of them was Graham Hart, who got inducted to the Hall of Fame. And, you know, he could say anything he wanted to, right? People were like, sweet, you've done some pretty cool stuff. But what I loved about his kind of conversation when he was on stage, and it was more of a conversation, was just like, yep, I've had some pretty cool breaks. But the process I went through is pretty simple. You know, I've, I, and it, it's just him backing himself and saying, here's an opportunity. I'm going to go for it. Um, I'm going to learn from it. Some are great. Some aren't so great. But if you don't back it, you're never going to know, right? And you don't want to be looking mm. back in hindsight, reflecting, thinking, okay, could have, should have, water. Um, but actually just do it and stop kind of, I don't know, pussing about, if that makes sense. Yeah, the uh, you know, when you're talking about Mark Hunt and Tyson Fury, there's something in the headspace between, uh, I've seen it in elite, elite athletes, uh, 
ex-military SAS Navy SEAL type crew and just super gnarly CEOs or really high performers. There's some kind of weird, but more probably on the athlete side that transition over, there's this weird, um, there's, there's, it's very hard to put a, a um, they've been to a place mentally which so, 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 the 99.9% of people have never been to, right? They've been mm. in, in, a, in a moment and their physical body has been in a space they've never felt before or whatever it is. And, and I think there's something about that rarity which you try to chase or try to figure out like what's this there's a hook there's a something that drive and i think to your point and it's like you know with with mark and stuff is what's the perspective that you can learn or the insight from it even though you know may not be as good a fighter in usc or whatever but there's always something that you can sort of gain from it right and and pro to that point too with you know the ups and the downs and whatever it's that thing you know tom hanks was saying where you know this too shall pass as long as you're aware that at this moment this too shall pass it will come it will get better so acknowledge how it's bad and then move forward so what you're talking about are the podcasts so what are the sort of podcasts you're into so you're obviously into the biographies you've got the tyson fury the mark hunt you so more on the people side of things any other places you're learning like you get into the, the you know different like hashtags on tiktok or youtube or playlists or like where else are you consuming Oh, dude, I'm too old for TikTok. Um, I tell myself that anyway. All my students remind me of that. They're like, what are you doing on here? Um, I, honestly, I, I'd say, and we've, we've kind of actually chatted with us about with Bryn a few weeks back, and we talked about, you know how we do these masterclasses or, you know, kind of people do masterclasses? It's how do we do a flip side on that with our young people, with our young bucks as such, um, or with recent alumni, you know, still super young people just doing, like, just weapons and what they do. Because I often think that, we tend to look to those who have kind of trodden a certain path, which is cool, and learn from them. But for me, I think a lot of my learning actually comes from being in environments with our students because you're in a space where sometimes you don't expect to learn. And, you know, students or young people are saying stuff that they're not trying to pass on knowledge. They're not trying to share. They're just being themselves. And you sit there like, that's a gem, that's a gem, that's a gem. They don't quite realise it, but you sit there as kind of, maybe a little bit more experience in terms of age and you realize the wisdom that's kind of getting passed around in those types of circles. So like for me, yeah. it's been having the privilege to be in those, those situations. And I'd suggest most of my learning actually comes in that space. So. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, we're probably, you know, similar ages, you know, I'm 37 now, but you know, I've been in the game for, you know, a minute. You're definitely right about that. I've, I've learned more in really, really short, short moments or paragraphs that someone have said or sentences or whatever than I have in, you know, years of doing stuff myself. But it's almost kind of like earning your stripes to get in the door to even be able to hear those conversations, you know, and, and especially when you're young, it's mm -hmm. tough to it's tough to understand the long game of playing chess, not checkers. When you're 15 or 16 or 17, it's just so hard to do because your, your face can't see past, you know, 100... Instagram likes for your photo or, you know, trying to get a thousand bucks or whatever the thing is. It's, it's really, once again, Ian, it's probably that perspective, right? It's perspective. Oh, hold up, man. It's like we have, well, we have, we service a whole range of students, right? Like from those who were pretty young, new to it, super fresh to the space because mum and dad or their kind of community hasn't been involved in. And then those who have mum, dad, auntie, uncle, everyone in their family has been involved in business in some way, shape or form. But it's quite cool to see that irrespective of the experiences I've had, what we can learn from them or what they learn and the journey yep. they go on. Um, I often type, I guess, look at what we do. And this is just like, this is turning our horn and all that stuff, to be fair. It's, you know, you, we have about 5,000 students a year. 
and they all go on a different journey, but the journey is equally impactful for each of them in different ways. And I think yep. for me, again, like I mentioned before, like having that privilege to kind of be in those spaces and to be able to share that space with young folk as well, because it's like, cool, we can create some cool spaces for them to learn and all that stuff, but we can also create spaces and invite them into it so that, you know, they don't have to wait 10, 15 years to kind of be invited into that space to have those conversations with yep. folk who have kind of done some pretty wicked things. It's like, actually, we've got a responsibility to actually invite these young folk in um, because they are good enough and they've got something to contribute. Oftentimes, we just don't allow that opportunity for them to speak in those environments. So it's just kind of like, how do we open doors? And, and to that point too, uh, uh, it feels... You know, I've been thinking for a while, in the last five years, we've seen such a massive shift in CEO changes with what the, the CEO looks like. And it really does feel that these new wave of leaders that are coming through, they are pulling up and they're doing it, uh, enabling more young bucks to be able to come through. I uh, really appreciate your time today, my friend. Thanks so much for um, filling in the other day. Massive props for everything that you do, and it does make a huge difference to Aotearoa. So big ups to you, my bro. Much love, man. Uh, easy, bro. Thanks for man. Good to hear. My G, there's a bro, Ian Musson, the head of Yes at Young Enterprise Scheme, doing awesome stuff helping Kiwis. Coming up after the break, we're into the new hour, and a 1.30 is a one-minute pitch. Big ups, team, see you in a sec. Giddy up, news time. For a bit live. We're back for hour number two of Rebet Live, episode 325 on Today FM. I really enjoy doing the show. It's super cool. I definitely enjoy learning and sharing what we know to all of you at home. We cover commerce, community, and culture. I have a simple goal team. Destroy New Zealand's tall poppy syndrome and help New Zealanders win more. Coming up on the show for the second hour, just a moment, Tupperware announced this week it was pulling out of Aotearoa, a decision that got many people upset. I'm chatting with uh, Chris Wilkinson, Managing Director of First Retail Group. Very soon about the challenges of direct sales and a bunch more. Tall Poppy Profile coming up with Jess Roberts from It Takes a Village Hub. And we've got the bro Paul Conway, the Reserve Bank Chief Economist, is with me in around half an hour. And a new study from the University of Auckland has found influencers with fewer than 100,000 followers are having more influence on people than those with millions. We're going to be talking with uh, the CEO of Socialites, Mel Spencer, just before 2 o'clock too. And don't forget, in about 26 minutes time at 1.30 on the the first person to call in on 0800 Today FM gets one minute to hype up and promote their own business absolutely free on national radio right here. You will need to ring through on 0800 Today FM, which is 863-293 at 1.30. The first person in gets through, Bryn. You get on here and you literally get one minute to hype up your own products and try and sell some stuff so you can buy more Christmas goodies for whoever you need to get it to. All right, let's get into the hour team. Second hour, hour number two for a bit live episode 325. The time now is four past one. Giddy up. His goal, to destroy the tall poppy syndrome. His platform, Today FM. This is Rebette Live. Call 0800 Today FM. New Zealand's sole importer of Tupperware products announced on Tuesday it would close its business at the end of October. Oh, I know the elbow room in Hearn Bay is absolutely gutted. Oh, they're gutted. No keys in the bowling more team. All right, the company said COVID-19 has caused a decline in sales and Tupperware parties. That is also true. Welcome to logistics team. If you ever thought logistics, when people said the supply chain, you didn't understand what they meant, well, 
I'm sure after COVID you definitely understand what that means and you give anyone that works in supply chain props for how they keep the world running. So I'm joined today by the Managing Director of First Retail Group. His name is Chris Wilkinson and he's joining me now. Kia ora Chris, how are you bro? Kia ora Rippy, how are you? Oh, my day is going great. It's uh, it's 6.05 so I may have had uh, one apple juice already. How's your Saturday going? What's bubbling? Yeah, it's great. We're down in the garden here in Wellington and enjoying beautiful sunshine. There you go. All right. Loving the welly weather. I didn't know it got good weather down there. That's that's, that's crazy. It's the first time I've heard it. So it's, it's good to know. Oh, so, man. Don't knock it. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so outside of all the Hoon Bay Ponsonby jokes with a whole bunch of, um, uh, you know, just really unhappy unhappy fans, or do you think the writing was on the wall, the wall already or what was your macro perspective when you saw this news come out on Tuesday? Yeah, firstly, uh, yeah, the writing was definitely on the wall. We probably hadn't anticipated this uh, kind of groundswell of interest. Uh, it was kind of one of those uh, everyday articles, and then you know, there's been this uh, constant theme of what's going on uh, since. So it's quite fascinating in terms of obviously it's a bit of a part of people's um, maybe part of our old DNA, maybe. Mm. Yep, I get it. Okay, so what? From a, what challenges do you think the direct sales concept face now? Because obviously this is changing the game a little bit. Supply chain held stuff up, demand, whatever else as well. How does the psychology change, or how do you th- do you think this is like? What's your reading going one layer deeper when you look at what's happened with Tupperware pulling out of Aotearoa? Yeah, okay, so so actually, back to your original question, yes, the writing was definitely on the wall. So 2018, we saw Avon pull out of New Zealand, and you know, Avon was kind of the quintessential uh, direct selling model. So already that model was under strain. People were finding their products in different ways. Obviously, online was a key part of that. But the the availability of products like Tupperware, so you know, Sistema, which of course has been a global success New Zealand company, you go into Mighty 10, you see it there, you go into a countdown or, or, or um, uh, New World and you see it there. So it's easier to pick stuff up in people's own time without that pressure of, you know, the traditional party sales method that there used to be. Mm. Do you think COVID now through this, okay, do you think they still would have pulled out if it wasn't for COVID? Yes, I do, okay. because um, uh, consumer values, consumer behaviour is changing so significantly. Yes, COVID has meant that there hasn't been that sort of that intimate sales opportunity that they kind of benefited from, that peer pressure and all that that model of getting people together. But kind of that, you know, people's lifestyles are changing, and that is no longer as relevant as it used to be. Mm. So, Chris, you know, you're talking about it saying it's changing. So what do you think specifically is changing when it comes to the consumer behaviour of, of, of shoppers in Aotearoa? Yeah, so people are much more purposeful. They're educated. They, they know what they want. They, mm. uh, we're seeing a lot less opportunity in retail now for those kind of impulse sales. Um, people, again, have got an empowerment the online has meant that people can kind of order in their own time. They can research, and, and again, it's putting the power back into consumers' hands. So, when I look at the 
market in HR around employer-employee relationships where we've now got this massive talent gap which, where it's become definitely an employee's market to be able to choose where they want to go, whatever. When you have an, an empowered employee and now you're talking about an empowered retail consumer, do you think COVID's changed this whole game forever now? Because COVID was the impetus for that and now it's changing here. Is this... Like, how has COVID changed retail moving forward? Like, how do you think this actually plays out? Yeah, look, I think, again, the writing's on the wall. People have been much more empowered uh, over the last, really over the last decade, and, and, and online has been a key part of that. So people have been able to research they, the, the, the opportunity to kind of get uh, reviews, to be able to feed back into those reviews themselves. Um, it, all of these things have kind of built up this this consumer empowerment, and and it's even to the stage of online checkout. Oh no, no online. Mm. Sorry, sorry, the, the self service checkout. People people don't necessarily want to interact with someone at the checkout. They just want to get their stuff and cut and run. And and it's these types of things that are again feed into um, consumer empowerment. And interesting to see that Tesco in the UK are about to drop all of their manned checkouts going forward. And again, part of this, this rationale is that people want to be empowered. So I went to uh, one of the first Amazon Go stores in San Francisco here. They tried all the tech. Basically, for those that aren't aware, you you walk in with a QR code from your Amazon account. It opens up a little security gate. You walk through and there's about a, a thousand cameras everywhere. You literally grab any, there's no staff. You literally take what you want off the shelves like you're totally stealing it. You put it in your pocket and you walk out and it automatically charges it without you even seeing it in single human. And so from an actual um, user experience side, it's definitely awesome. But from a, um, I guess, a, a uh, society side, it feels a bit sketchy just walking through it and doing it. So it definitely feels the future of retail is changing as we speak. How do you, if you look at, you know, trends that are coming through the retail market, obviously um, people going direct to consumer or online or whatever it may be with more an empowered consumer. What do you think the future of retail looks like in Aotearoa by 2025 and 2030? Yeah, the self-service thing is an absolute um, driver. I think people will be having these mixed relationships with the retailers, so buying stuff online as well as buying stuff in store. Also buying stuff in store, going going in store, but also buying it online. So we've seen that now. Younger people are going to the likes of Blassons. I really like that. They're just jumping on their phone and ordering it. So it's coming to, you know, it, it's, again, this empowerment is, is really driving consumer behaviour. Less people in our stores working, um, more people higher earning jobs uh, looking after the kind of the, the back end of retail and the, and the bigger thinking of retail. So a, a sh shift with that sector to, to more, um, more skills uh, and, and better opportunities. It's kind of a, you know, you talk about self-service checkouts. When I was, you know, for, you know, a young buck trying to come through the lines, I was, I had a paper run and then people would work at New World and they'd, they'd bag shopping bags or whatever. Those are the first where you would try to work at the dairy. It feels like with, you know, consumers now literally not wanting to almost even see humans, you, you kind of start going, 
where do these young these new next jobs for young people in retail actually go to? So I want to maybe jump into margins for a second. Obviously, when brands there was a big thing in the action sports landscape, and you know the the the, the early two thousands where brands were trying to balance off their relationships with retailers versus going direct to consumer themselves, either selling online or doing their own pop up stores and going vertical. What have you seen maybe in the last you know five ten years, which you think is going to continue moving forward? around where brands decide to actually go to get better margins for their companies with what consumers actually want? Yeah, look, I, th- I think brands, it, it, it's, it's all about aspiration these days. So if you can deliver aspiration within your brand and within your shopping experience, then you've, you've, you've got it. And we look at brands like, say, Superette, which is a really good example of how, you know, they've developed these amazingly curated experiences both in the stores and online and brands are actually hankering after after these types of um, retailers because they know that if they put their products into their stores they've automatically become cool so brands you know that the polo for instance at um super ed super ed's helped bring them back into the market give that new create that new relevance so um it's it's all about experience going forward um and again, giving people uh, offers and experiences in their own in their own terms. Empowerment. You brought that word up a bunch empowerment to the consumer which is cool so if if you were before we leave I want to ask you this Chris if you were a brand right now trying to look at a sustainable model for how you would really survive and thrive over these next five ten years through you know inflation possible recession yada 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 if you're a Kiwi brand right now what would you do and how would you do it this is a, that's, a, that's the $64 million question, isn't it? Um, what would I be doing? I would be listening very hard to consumers. I would be just getting amongst these markets and uh, really making my, my product and my experience incredibly consumer-centric. So listening to the existing consumers, but also considering our future consumers. So getting the voice of our young people, um, understanding the differences up around our country because it is very, very different from, from our regions to our cities. Um, the consumer centricity is a key part of this, but also with that overlay of what's going on internationally. So understanding you know, what could be successful in our market and, and always being ahead, looking at differentiation as a key part. Well, anytime it comes to bravery in business, you need that to be able to try things differently in terms of innovation. Obviously, there's this underlying layer of technology with empowerment efficiencies in business to do this as too. So, you know, probably the other thing is just making sure that they really double down and understand the technical opportunities that actually do exist by leveraging technology for their businesses. So um, I really appreciate you joining join the sh- sh- show, Chris. Enjoy the rest of um, awesome Wellington uh, Saturday. And um, thanks for joining in and appreciate you jumping on the show, man. Legend. Thanks very much. Cheers. See you. What a champ. There you go, Chris Wilkinson, the Managing Director of First Retail Group. Um, so all, all the points of me, Marbins, and, and everyone else here, I'm, so, I'm sorry, Tupperware's, Tupperware's out. You're going to have to go down to, you know, Vic Park, New World, figure something else out. A um, couple of texts come through. Uh, Yo, Robert, Todd, at Overdose here. Oh, what up, Todd? What up, Todd? Um, we pivoted the Tupperware Australia business and they are crushing. There you go. Okay, so check out that um, from Todd. And then we also got, uh, oh, Heather come through with a bit of a troll. I like it, Heather. I'll read out your troll. Amazon is killing our social society and it's nothing to do with empowerment. Oh, Heather, if you'd like to have a quick banter and, and, and have a chat about this, I've got a couple of questions for you, but more than more than happy to jump on. Uh, feel free to call through on 0800 today FM. 
The thing is, exactly to what Chris is talking about, what customers want is what they want and their experience is at the forefront. And there is this tension definitely when it comes to these bigger brands like Amazon and stuff, which are, you know, kind of really creating a bunch of tension between consumer and um, dollars with how they're doing that as well. Don't forget, in 14 minutes, team, we have the one-minute pitch at 1.30. The first person to call through at 1.30, you get through to Bryn on 0800 Today FM, which is 863293. And you get one minute to pitch your business to all of Aotearoa, absolutely free, no charge whatsoever, because we're a bunch of GCs. All right, team, uh, 17 minutes past one. I'll see you in a sec. Live from San Francisco. And streaming now on Facebook Live. It's Rebet Live with how to turn your passion into profit. On Today FM. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. And every time I step up in the building, everybody hands go up. And our hands go up and they stay there because we like people winning. This week on our Tall Poppy Profile for Rebet Live, episode 325 on Today FM, we're chatting with Jess Roberts. She's the founding member of It Takes a Village Hub. What What is It Takes a Village Hub? Well, to join me now to talk about it is Jessica Roberts. Kia ora, Jess, how are you? Hi, good. How are you? I'm cruising. How's your Saturday going? Where are you and what's bubbling? Um, I'm in Kaipoi in Canterbury, and uh, we're just going into the charity shop to find some fabric. There you go. Fabric. Oh, what's going on with the fabric? You got some, some new house renos going on? What's what's going on there? No, we have a group of elderly ladies that make it into children's clothes for us. How good is that? That's awesome. All right. So okay. I want to talk, I, I um, talk to you about It Takes a Village Hub. So what is it and where did it come from? And let's get into it. Um, it started uh, five years ago as some pay it for groups in Canterbury. And we had lots of people gifting baby and toddler clothes and lots of people asking for baby and toddler clothes, but the two weren't connecting. So we started gathering the clothes and then passing them on. So it started off with just clothes. And over the last four years, it's evolved into a free parcel that is a week's worth of clothes, um, nappies, toiletries, coats, jackets, shoes, books, toys, including if the if the recipient requested it, they might get a cot or a high chair or a bassinet or large toys for old children. That's awesome. All right, so you basically make these pre-done packages to help um, to help families move forward. How has the journey been in the last couple of years since you've been doing it? What's the biggest thing you've really been, I guess, what's the biggest thing that sort of surprised you on this journey so far to date? The last couple of years since COVID hit, our volume has increased threefold. So the first year we did it, we did 112 toddler and baby bundles. Last year we did 300, uh, sorry, 737. So the, the lack of, of extra hours at work, the lack of a second part-time job in a in a hospitality business has put families really into struggle street. I definitely get it. So how are you how are you managing the cope of the, the scale of the demand? Like how are you actually navigating all this in terms of the logistics because doubling up or, or you know threefolding in the last couple of years that puts some strain in different parts of the business. What's the biggest struggle logistically you've been finding? Uh, the t- we've got two big struggles. The first one is man hours. So there's only myself and another lady that run the bundle program. Unfortunately, I work full-time, so she works full-time for the charity, but she's a volunteer, so we can't pay her. 
Um, and the second challenge is keeping on top of the consumable demand, so the nappies, white, nappy creams, um, toothbrush, toothpaste, that kind of thing. I get it. So where does the future look like for for um, It Takes a Village Hub now? Like, where do you see this going in the next three years? So three years, you've had 300% growth. How's it going to go to in the next in the next, uh, in the next next three? Hopefully in the next three years, we will secure funding to pay Danny and then increase to a couple more volunteers to keep on top of demand. We are going to roll out a self-education improvement program where we can run small classes for families to learn how to budget for a week on what income they've got depending on the level. We're going to do uh, cooking classes so how to then cook the meals on that budget. Um, we're going to do different self-help classes to save money like car maintenance, repairs and maintenance in your home, um, mending your own clothes and growing your own vegetables. That's awesome. So if someone's listening uh, right now and they want to support uh, It Takes a Village Hub, where can they go to? What can they do? Uh, we have a website. It's www.itav.org.nz. And on there, there is a tab a page that says, how can I help? And through there, we've got a list of different ways people can help through donations of clothes, donations of funds, or donations of time on skills. There you go. Um, so it's itav.org.nz for It Takes a Village Hub a website to go be able to support. Is that right? Yes, that's brilliant. Perfect. All right. Hey, well, enjoy the rest of your Saturday, Jessica. Um, thanks so much for all you do. Congrats on um, definitely dealing with the demand of 300% rise in the last couple of years and best of luck for the future as you do more to keep uh, doing good things. So good on you. Keep up the good fight and keep Thank smashing you. it. Thank you. Thank you very much. There you go. Big ups to Jessica Roberts, uh, toddler bundle manager and founding member of It Takes a Village Hub. You can support them at itav.org.nz. Any feedback, we'd love to hear from you. In five minutes' time, we have the one-minute pitch, the first person to ring through, uh, the first person to ring through after the ad break, I believe it was. So if you want to get into it now, I'm guessing you might have to get in really, really quick. So we're going to open up the lines in about 10 seconds. The first person to call through is going to get to Bryn. The number to call is 0800 Today FM, and you're going to get a one-minute pitch. See after the break, team. One minute pitch. Ring through 0800 today for him. One minute pitch for you and your business right about now. Let's go. His goal to destroy the tall poppy syndrome. His platform today FM. This is Rebet Live. Call 0800 today FM. Twenty eight minutes past one. Rebet Live episode three hundred and twenty five. It's time for the one-minute pitch. The first person that rung through has rung through. They've got through. So what does that mean? It means they get to come on the show and they get one minute to pitch their product, their service, or their business to the absolute whole of Aotearoa New Zealand absolutely free. So I am lucky to be joined by Louise. Kia ora, Louise. How are you? How are you? I'm great. Thank you for the opportunity. Kia ora. Kia ora. Okay, I have absolutely no idea what you're about to sell me. I have absolutely idea, no idea where you come from. What are you doing? But... Are you ready for your 60 seconds? We're going to have a countdown clock and everything. Are you ready to go? I think I am. Okay. All right. Okay. So uh, Bryn's going to start it and you're going to hear some stuff. And at the end of it, your mic will be cut off and I'll give you the quick uh, the quick 10 second left and you're good to go. All right. We'll give you a three second countdown. All right, Louise. So here we go. In three, two, one. One minute pitch. Go. 
Hi, I'm representing the All Paused uh, All Paused Count Trust in Murupara. It's a charity that I support. I try to give them as much as I can. Today, uh, there's uh, so many charities needing help. This one's extra special because it's such a small charity based in the Bay of Plenty, and it services a whole lot of small towns, Kararo, Murupara, all in that area. It's run by um, a small group of people. You can look at their Facebook page, All Pause Count Trust, Murupara. It runs de-sexing and responsible ownership campaigns and works with the community. It really rescues dogs and cats, anything that's got a paw, hence the all paws count name. And they rehome many dogs and cats as well as help um, reunite lost pets. They operate um, out of their own pockets and they look for funding for all around New Zealand. Um, and they'd love to anyone out there to help donate, foster or adopt or advocate. All paws count, trust, murupara. Go and have a look at it. Thanks. Hey, hey, great, great, great thing. I, I was trying to, I, I knew it had something to do with cats and dogs, but you didn't get it through till about the 30-second mark, but we got there in the end, so I'm, I'm very stuck on that. The All Paws Count Trust, which is helping for cats and dogs of all, I'm a massive uh, animal fan. I have done many things to support the cause, so I'm m- a massive big ups and props to you, Louise. So if people, you got to get the plug in there, Louise. This is where you got to say, hey, if you want to make a great donation to help us, you know, continue this forward, you can go to allpawscounttrust.co.nz or what is the website? Give us a free plug now. Get in there. Thank you. Yep, it's all pause as in P-A-W-S count. You can just look that up on Facebook or look on the web. All pause count, type that in and you'll see it's got murupara on the end, but just all pause count. And even if you want to donate $10 for go that bottle of wine or $5 if you don't have that coffee on Monday, it all helps. I like the segue. You should have gone to straight to the subscription model to keep it going so they forget about it and it just goes on forever and uh, recurring. Hey, appreciate it, Louise. Have an awesome rest of the weekend. Thanks for propping in and well done for being the winner of this uh, one-minute pitch. Good on you. Thank you very much for the opportunity. It's really awesome you do that today, FM. Oh, so th- thanks. You should be thanking Bryn, actually. He's the one that got you through the, 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 the hard job. But, hey, appreciate it. All right, it's time for uh, Conway's Corner. I always like giving props to other people doing cool stuff. So big ups to you, Louise, for chumming through with All Paws Count Trust. Uh, always interesting. People don't have websites. They go straight to the socials. Anyway, Mr. Paul Conway, he's up next. Who is Paul Conway? Well, pff, if you don't know, yeah, you better ask somebody. Uh, he is the Chief Economist of the Reserve Bank of Aotearoa, New Zealand. He joins us each week to talk about a bit of stuff. So let's get straight into it. How are you, Paul? Uh, kia ora, Rebed. I'm good, thanks. Please, it's the weekend. It's been another huge uh, <laughs> huge week at the Reserve Bank. Um, yeah, well, it's a bit of a pattern there starting to emerge through four months well, in. The, this is what happens. He- heavy lies the crown, my friend. You, you take a big step into the big shoes. And what, you know, we I, we I could easily sit here and ask you about the OCR or the this and the that and the macroeconomic climate and the Ukraine and supply chain and the cost of energy, all this other stuff. But... That's not, all those things don't mean diddly squat. If, if you're not good, everything else is not good. So what I wanted to get into a little bit today with you, Paul, was around um, balance and pressure. Like obviously, you know, you, is this role the most pressure you've ever felt and what type of pressure is it and how is it different? Like let's talk through a bit of that. Okay, sounds good. Um is it the most pressure I've ever felt? It's definitely up there. I, it, like the answer is probably yes to that. I mean, I've taken yeah. all my jobs super seriously in the past. So there's always been sort of pressure on me to 
perform. You know, when I was at the OECD, it was you know, tight deadlines and long nights and, and stuff working. Um, but this role, I sort of, you know, because I care so much about our country, about Aotearoa, I just really want to be the best that I can be yeah. uh, at it. And I've got, you know, a big team uh, that I'm that I'm trying to run. So yeah, I'm really feeling the pressure. But there's a there's a flip side to it because I sort of feel like there's a cause here as well to get our economy uh, cranking in a good way. So you know, and I'm really enjoying having a cause, and I'm really enjoying sort of going hard at it. So yeah, it's 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 a double edged sword that that idea of pressure. Well, the good thing is from your side is. A lot of people feel pressure with not too much personal upside because they know they don't know either the goal or the cunts or the outcome. You get to know that that the energy directly goes into it. But the next part that I want to maybe get into is, you know, if I if I get in the zone of like hard, deep flow work and I'm just my brain is just at fifth gear and I'm just going and I can I can do it for spurts of, you know, like a, a couple of hours a day is probably pretty thing whatever. But I've felt when I go for you know two weeks straight or a full week and it's just go, 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 go. I feel my brain slow down and I can literally feel physically and mentally slower and stuff starts slipping in that. How do you balance being in fifth gear the whole time now on an ongoing basis because obviously the weight of the role versus knowing like how, how to kind of balance it off the other side so you don't just go fifth gear and crash and burn into a, into a dumpster, you know, like because you're obviously proactively thinking about these things. So how do you how you, how are you navigating that or what structures are you putting in place to maintain that? Hmm. Like absolutely, I'm, I'm thinking about my well-being like on the, on the way through. Like I, you know, I don't want to burn out. I want to be doing this job, you know, for a while. So I don't want to crash and burn. Um, so that is really important to me. And I'm sort of like we're, like celebrating milestones is really important. Like, like sort of, I try to maintain a bit of distance. I kind of sometimes feel like I'm just an observer, like observing what's going on uh, around me without getting too caught up in, in it. I'm not always that great <laughs> at that bit because I do take it very personally. But just trying to get a bit of distance and just collapsing, you know, on a Friday night and just really finding other uh, sort of outlets and you know I've become quite uh, a meditator these days so I spend a good hour five days a week meditating what? And, and I, yeah, I do no way I do I get up a early. day no no five hours um, per week yep. so an hour a like day, a, five days an a hour week. a day what yeah. time like five in the morning well six six, six. <laughs> kind yeah. of thing and I don't, it just, it's such a nice, it's such a, it's, it's just a, a place of being where just the, everything else just kind of fades into insignificance. And it, I find it very relaxing. I find it very deeply relaxing. It's kind of like a few hours sleep uh, sort of thing. So that, that helps me a lot. And I can turn up really charged uh, at work with, you know, heaps of good energy to sort of, you know, inject into the place and into the people around me. So yeah, I'm really, I'm really, and looking after my physical body as well, like um, yoga and sort of jogging with the dog is really important too. It's everything needs to be in balance, or we'll get we we crap out. So, I don't know many other people who will meditate for an hour a day or also work out. How do you think your perspective 
what does it change about the perspective of the way you try and navigate your energy with such a high pressure job now about through meditation and exercise? Like, do you notice a, a drastic difference when you've tried to do it? Obviously you didn't do this the whole time. What, what have you noticed b- before and after? Yeah. Meditation just makes me feel happy. Like it makes me feel like the stresses of the world aren't, you know, I, I can I can be aware of it all, but I can just bring a really good frame of mind to it. So I don't sort of it's mm. kind of that separation thing we were kicking around earlier. I don't sort of get too caught up in it. There's a bit of a bit of distance there, um, which you know just gives me a, um, you know that that separation. So it's not as draining uh, on on my physical and, and sort of mental well being as as it otherwise as it otherwise would be. But there's definitely sacrifices, you know, like I'm not spending as much time with my kids as I ideally, you know, as I, as I would. Um, you know, a friend's uh, father died the other day up in Kapiti Coast. I really wanted to go to the funeral, but I, I, I couldn't, you know, so there's this sacrifice. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I was going to, that's the next thing I was actually going to segue into, Paul, which is around, you know, as you get older, it's that thing you haven't seen a maid in ages. It's like, oh, bro, you know how it is, you know, family and work and stuff, you know how it's been busy. Everyone's just busy being busy. How how big of a shift have you seen your circle get smaller in terms of just the time and, and energy in the last in the last four months? Is it Are you now having to be more proactive to try and, like, deliberately, like, try and, you know, text and catch up with a buddy or, like, how are you navigating, I guess, the weight of friendship and friendship as well? Because that's obviously a, a key part, right? Yeah, I think it's become more, you know, schedule that in kind of thing. Yeah, you know, I'm using my Outlook calendar in the weekends as well, sort of, <laughs> sort of thing. Just, just to um, get around all that stuff because all that stuff is so important. You know, the other thing, like I'm, I'm still new in the role. It's we're four months in, and you know, the Reserve Bank is getting uh, heaps of criticism in the media, and there's been a bit of a vacuum there. So I'm sort of going hard to, to. Um, fill that vacuum really and just sort of you know help New Zealanders understand what the bank does and why we're doing what we're doing uh, at the moment so I do think we'll get through a period and it might be six months uh, where I do get to a more of a sustainable place uh, with this um, with this work so you know as, as I said it's sort of like going hard for a cause at the moment and that's you know that's super exciting but yeah it does it, it does come at a, at a, at a cost well on the flip side of that too, is not only you have to balance that from your side, is then you also need to navigate the the waves of attention and energy and people trying to get in your new bubble because now you're a person of influence and you're a person that can help pull levers. Have you noticed, I mean, the classic would be in, you know, other worlds or whatever, you know, someone becomes the new CEO or new marketing manager at, you know, Cadbury or Fonterra, whatever it may be, and all of a sudden they've got a whole bunch of new mates who they weren't really around before, and all of a sudden you start you start popping and, and, and everyone starts to get close to the sun. Have have you noticed your social social leeches are probably the, the wrong word, <laughs> but let, let's say I'm trying to find the correct corporate terminology. Okay, yeah. let's say have you have you had more corporate leeches that have tried to get close to you now, and how how does the dynamics change with like your public life when they see you as a role, as a position, not a person? Hmm. Like I've got a really good nose for that. I can tell if someone's just sniffing around, um, you know, because they just see me as the chief economist of the Reserve Bank instead of you know Paul Conway, a boy from Invercargill. <laughs> so I'm really chief meditator. <laughs> chief, chief meditator. <laughs> 
Grand Poobah of, of economics. You know, it's just like I've been getting heaps of media and I've uh, seen myself in the media is, is quite a, a freaky trip as well, you know, and uh, but I'm, I'm really enjoying it because I want to bring economics to New Zealanders. I want to just really up sort of economic literacy around around the country. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely weird. Like it's definitely like being being a role instead of a person is quite a strange uh, experience for me. Mm. I, I don't, you know, I don't, I, I don't really like that sort of separation. I think we should just be authentic uh, in our roles. And I think, you know, I should just be seen for who I am rather than the sort of job that I do. And if we can kind of merge all that stuff, you know, I think we end up being better at our, at our jobs and more authentic uh, in what we do. Well, it's always that danger too. If you know, someone told me years ago is you know people are going to want to get close to you for who um, for what you do, not who you are. And it's always, I always have that that gap between people are the person, not the position. So you need to balance there. Well, um, appreciate you jumping on as as per usual. I hope you hey, enjoy Rebecca, the rest of the. Can I, the, can the I just say, Rebecca, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. mate. On the media stuff, I just want to say, um, like I've got had such good practice. Uh, chatting with you uh, over <laughs> 20 weeks or whatever. It's really helped me sort of find my voice. Uh, and I'm, yeah. I'm just really, really grateful. Thank you. Uh, oh, mate, there you go. I wouldn't say it's, it's practice. We're just bantering away, mate. I think you come more prepared than I do. But, <laughs> hey, look, if it's, if it's helping you navigate these crafty waters of media and corporate leeches trying to milk IP and clout chase or whatever it is, I'm more than happy to help Um get the get the weak links away but um appreciate you my friend and i'll enjoy the rest of the weekend thank you you too mentor sherpa counselor nah just a clever guy doing cool shit it's rebette live on today fm a new study by the university of auckland has found influencers oh we're getting into influencers team here we go with fewer than a hundred thousand followers are having more influence on people than those with millions Influencer marketing has delivered 10 times higher returns on investment than other internet marketing. And that's not to say as well, all the other um, uh, collateral and dollars which are going from analog into digital platforms, which is a no-brainer, which I've been talking about for years, team. Anyway, the study found that those with a smaller platform were more effective than mega influencers at encouraging followers to buy products if they were associated with fun, pleasure, and excitement, such as premium hotels, restaurants, perfumes, or high-end electronics. Uh, research has found that people perceive micro-influencers, as they're called, as more intimate and authentic, and probably just keeping a bit more real, and uh, these positive perceptions could rub off on the products they promoted. They perform just as well as mega-influencers when promoting utilitarian products and experiences. Oh, that was, that was a great little intro, but it's a great segue because we have the Chief Executive Officer of um, uh, Social Media Marketing Agency, Socialites. Her name is Melanie Spencer. Sorry for the long intro. Kia ora, Mel. How are you? Kia ora, kia ora. I'm really well, thank you. How are you? Let's go. Okay, I'm very excited to get into this. This is something that we've, we've dabbled in a bunch and you understand it obviously a lot. Um, yeah. Now, is the, let's talk, let's just get straight into it. How, yeah. why is this happening that micro is having more engagement or effectiveness than, than the big crew? What, what is going on? So there's been a really um, big shift in how people like to consume content on social media. Um, not that long ago, it was all about the glamour and, and the glitz and the beauty. Now it's all about reality um, and um, real people. So um, that's why micros are really, really uh, taking the lead because they um, 
they're, they're real, they're personable, they're human. Um, and, um, and that's why they get more engagement, which then in turn um, is, makes it more successful in terms of campaigns. So rewinding back, you know, mm. Facebook came along and it was open to all and Snapchat came along and it was closed off this way. Then Instagram came on and all of a sudden the apps came up and you can make yourself fatter or thinner or darker or lighter and, and all sorts and change your body and everything. And it kind of got, it got just a little too wild. And yep. how have you felt? And this is one thing I actually want to ask from a potential, um, I don't know if it's a social side or whatever, but when TikTok came through, it almost humanize so many people they're there in their pajamas in their home doing dances and that's not polished there with the hashtag bless bullshit or whatever it is as well yeah. how do you think these platforms are now changing i guess the the optics of what success looks like or, or authenticity or whatever like how do you what's your read on i guess how platforms are changing culture yeah look i think um it's actually the communities that are changing the culture um and flushing all of that sort of um stuff out and the rise of TikTok and also COVID. I think COVID had a really, really big influence on um, on being real. Um, and then that went over to TikTok where, you know, as you say, people were dancing in their pajamas and communities on Instagram and Facebook and all those sort of traditional um, platforms are following suit. Um, which is just so refreshing. It's so refreshing for the you know younger generation coming up um, because they you know they know that um, being real and being themselves is far more accepted uh, than using all those filters, which is um, being flushed out now. Which is um, which is a good thing. It's really interesting the dynamics in ten years or geez more than that or since mm. you know Facebook launched the <clears throat> the way what becomes new then gets flushed out because eventually in a yeah. sh short amount of time, mm -hmm. humanity balances way back to the middle. And and what I thought was super cool about what you said there, Mel, is through COVID when people literally couldn't travel, all that fake stuff really dried up because then all of a sudden they can't stage these like little fancy posts doing this and that and, and, and it became more human. And I think that need for, and I'm wondering on top of that as well, is that the need for human connection with each other was just wanting to feel like close to others and community and vibe too, right? 100%. Um, you know, we really all hopped on social media for that real life human connection during COVID and all those lockdowns. And that's why social media just went through the roof. But also... Um, you know, we, we couldn't have that connection with people and then we, we're, that's what human beings need. Um, so if it was fake, it was, it was just, um, it just didn't fly. Um, so I think, uh, you know, COVID really helped with that, um, but also TikTok has as well. And um, mm. it's a good, yeah, really good thing. Yeah, as, for, as much as people give, um, you know, a lot of these platforms grief, anything that, creates more genuine connection with others, I think is a good thing. And I think your point is, well, the Mel is the, these digital natives that are growing up now that have only known social media, whatever, they can see through any of the fake stuff so much faster. And it almost becomes like this really transparent public accountability dance of like keeping it real or not. If they're trying to, if they feel like they're being sold and, and actually, I mean, have, have you seen where, communities literally will turn on these crew if they feel they're being kind of exploited. 
Um, and uh, I always say, I always say to the the clients that we work work with that even though it's over a screen, people can sniff the the bullshit. They can smell yep. the bullshit now. Um, and digital natives are all over it. Um, and I think you know, even older generation like me, you can you can um, you can you can see it a mile off. Um, yeah, so 100% that authenticity is um, really, really important. Um, and, you know, we, a couple of years ago, there were um, a lot of influencers out there um, selling selling things that they probably shouldn't have been selling. But now yeah. I think um, when influencers say no to us now, it's actually a good thing because they're not feeling it. They don't want to sell that product because they 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 don't um, believe in it, um, and that's a good thing. So they're staying true to um, you know their values and what they believe in. So it's it's definitely changing for sure. The good the good part of that is if a lot of them definitely you're, you're right, Mel, were doing short term transactions which were yeah. exploiting community for commerce. Right, they've uh-huh. people have now seen through that and. It feels that many of these you know, influencers, whatever, they've grown up to realize that it's not worth selling out what they've built for 10 years or five years in five seconds by doing something they shouldn't. And in a weird way, it feels like it's made these people, which are now essentially their own platforms, mm-hmm. more accountable and responsible. And in some ways, a little bit more, it's forcing authenticity because if they know that with this cancel culture or whatever, if one thing flips the wrong way for five, 10 grand, 20, it's just really not worth it to, to destroy all that you've built. So do you think like maybe a great little segue here is like, how do you feel around like what influencers are now wanting to do for audience? Like what are audiences wanting to see from these influencers now? What are the, the shifts that you've seen and will that be sustaining or will it be, you know, like a, a trend for a moment or do you think we're kind of balancing out now a little bit? Yeah, look, um, who knows with social media, it changes so quickly. Um, I would like to think that um, this trend remains because I think, um, you know, society needs it. Um, And I think uh, influencers or um, audiences want um, entertainment. They want inspiration that is real. Um, They want to be educated, um, but they want to be entertained. Like, you know, the world has been such a gloomy place over the last couple of years. So we want a smile in the mind. We want a little Mm. giggle. We want to be able to share, you know, funny moments with our mates. Um, And um, that's what we need as a a society at the moment. So Mm. I really do hope this trend remains and stays and um and for our younger kids as well um and it is all about the the chortle you know it's all about the little like the the i call it the smile in the mind that you get from from social and and it should be an escape um Mm. and it should be you should feel part of a community as well and that's Mm. where influences is so um powerful is that you feel connected to them you know there is a human connection I, I always say I'm saying now that you know when you see an ad on tv and there's like a model um and you don't know them you've got no connection to them and they're selling I don't know tampons and you're like who are you I, d- I don't know who you are and you're telling me that I should buy these tampons off you so um that's where I think you know influences have um have had such a, a rise in popularity, but also are so powerful. 
the danger with that too, right, is you have people that, that have clearly started to clout chase and chase the byproduct of the upside of becoming an influencer with being able to get, you know, get free stuff or this or that. And the the part that I'm always intrigued about is how you balance off what are you passionate about to go get drive through and the purpose of what you're doing it versus the upside of, I just want to be famous and be a YouTuber. Like I know there was a, a thing that came out and data and, and in the last 30 years or whatever it was now the most number one biggest career that every kid wants to be is a YouTuber, not an astronaut or a doctor or whatever. Right. So there's this danger of, of this danger of fame, which brings you know this other little point around um, like influence of fraud and purchasing followers and stuff. What have you seen in the ecosystem that's that's sort of changed or, or that's going to try and make it better to try and weed out the bad actors of people that are literally committing fraud by buying fake followers, selling it to sponsors and getting, you know, paid for a hundred thousand followers if they actually have 50. Like what are you from, from an agency side, what are you seeing and how, what's that world of, I guess, fraudulent activity from these, these, these bad actors? What does that look like? <laughs> yeah. So at the end of the day, this is their business, and um, and I think the clever ones know that um, any business owner, any sort of fraudulent activity or any lying, um, that's a short term gain and um, and not um, long term, um, you know, thinking and planning. So um, uh, any influencers that are, are buying followers again are being flushed out. We don't come across them very often, if at all now, um, because we can spot them a mile off. Um, when you have influencers that have some sort of sudden jump uh, in followers, you're like, hmm, what's going on there? And also, you've got to think about, you know, followers as a vanity metric. Um, and if you've got a huge amount of followers, but the engagement is low, then you know that something's up. Um, and again, this has been flushed out, and especially in Australia and New Zealand. Um, we do a lot of campaigns in Australia, um, and obviously a lot in New Zealand, and we hardly come across um, any at all, if, if at all now, um, because we just we know what to look for. And also these influencers, this is their business, right? They are savvy business people now, um, and yeah. they know that if you're going to bullshit the audience, their business is over, essentially. They get caught out, it's over for them. So, um, yeah, that's what's happening. And if they get caught out once, it's definitely game over because oh, now it's screenshots not. and everything instantly yeah. done. Yeah. So it's, if it's, you're, it's, it's, I was just going to say, if you're a um, you know, business owner right now and you're listening to this or, you know, you don't understand the digital marketplace and you've started, you've heard of these influences, but you don't know what that really means, in a nutshell, how would you describe, you know, someone that doesn't understand this, this digi world, the act, the upside of what this, how should they think about influencers? Is it a mark? Is it just a marketing channel? Is it a, like, what, what is it like for, you know, Barry the plumber that's from Gore that's just hanging out, tune in. And he's like, what's all these people getting free stuff and they put it on the TikToks. What's going on, Mel? How, how do you describe it? <laughs> Look, it's a, it's the new age of marketing right, um, at the moment, um, and uh, it's a wave that's, that that um, is just getting bigger and bigger because um, it's essentially another channel. Um, if you look at so TV, you look at radio, you look at out of home, you look at social media, and then you look at influencers. And when you think about it, you've got influencers. Um, you get eyeballs, but you don't just get eyeballs like on TV. You actually get a two-way conversation. 
When you get a two-way conversation, you get a relationship with your audience. When you get a relationship, you get trust, you get increased brand sentiment, which ultimately turns into sales. Um, so it's a it's a powerful thing. Um, and um, yeah, it's literally another marketing channel 